0: Hi, C.C. Today's scripture reading is from Galatians chapter 4, verse 8 to 20. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? whose slaves you want to be once more. You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that, if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we approach the word. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we pray and we ask that you would be here. Be within our midst because, Lord, we need you. Without you here, without your blessing, these words will just be words. They'll be truths that we can throw away. But, Father, what we want out of this experience is for your words to shine bright, for your words to penetrate our hearts so that we may transform and be sanctified in your Son's name. God, help us to become more and more like your son, Jesus Christ, by hearing your word. We believe in the power of your word. Bless us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So you may notice there is no pulpit here. Um, It's kind of weird, so I'm going to take this opportunity and change it up a little bit, and we'll be a new Jeffrey. I did not try this at the first service, so things may go badly. But it's okay because we believe in grace. So my question to you today is this. What gets you angry? What makes your blood boil? And it's important to think about this question because when you think about that question, you begin to understand what you value most. Here today, as you've been with us, Paul has been fuming at the church in Galatia. He has been angry with this Galatian church because why? Because they have forgotten the gospel. They have forgotten the all-important doctrine of justification. Now, if you study the life of Paul, Paul does not easily get angered. Paul is a very patient man. If you study the life of Paul, you see that Paul, um, all these things happened to Paul. Paul was stoned. Paul was uh, blasphemed behind his back. Paul was imprisoned twice. And yet, in all those situations, he never got angry. He said, I accept this. This is my fate. But yet, we see an altogether different Paul here in in this letter to Galatians. He is angry at this church because these people have forgotten the doctrine of justification. Now, for some of you, you may not have not heard that word before, justification. What is all this talk about justification? Well, it's an important word that appears many times in the Bible, and it is vital to understanding the Christian faith. Absolutely vital. Now, some of you may push back and say, well, isn't Christianity just about a relationship with Jesus Christ? I say, yes. But the whole point of Jesus Christ's existence, death on the cross, resurrection, was for our justification. So if Jesus' whole life was about this one thing, then if you have a relationship with Jesus, then you must understand justification. Justification. Paul says, brothers, I entreat you, in Galatians four twelve, brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. Paul makes an interesting claim. He says, become like me. And what I take that is that we should get angry about the things that Paul gets angry, and we should be patient about the things Paul is patient about. We as a church should get angry when people suffer from gospel amnesia, when people forget the doctrine of justification. We should get angry when one another that when we forget that this is a vital source of importance in our lives. And just to show you how often Paul talks about it, it comes up in the book of Romans. Paul says this verses eight, chapter eight, verse thirty. He says, and those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. There's proof right there that this word comes up in the Bible time and time again. So what I'm saying here is this. We should get mad about other things. When there's injustices around the world, you should get angry. You should be mad. When things you see there are not happening according to God's will, according to God's plan, you should get mad. But justification is the top priority in things that we should get mad about when people forget. How many of you would get mad if I said, you know what, justification doesn't matter, just live a good life. How many of you would get enraged by that statement? How many of you would walk away from this church if I simply said that? Our church needs to be ready that if David or I are not here and a new pastor comes up and they do not preach about justification, you need to get mad and you probably need to leave. That's how important this doctrine is to Paul. This is how important this doctrine is to the church. Today we are celebrating the 500 years of the Reformation and the church split Over this very doctrine. So its importance is not lost on us. We need to understand this thing and we need to understand it well because if you don't get this, you do not get the gospel. And if you don't get the gospel, you'll see what kind of life we all begin to live. So let me first, as I go into the sermon, I will not have three points today. Because there's no pulpit, there are no three points. We are first going to see and define what justification is. So I keep throwing out this word, justification, justification, and you may say, what are you talking about when you say justification? I heard a poll recently that 60% of evangelicals do not know what justification is. 60% of the Christian faith, this thing that we so need in our lives and um, is so vital to understanding the gospel. So don't feel bad, odds are you don't know what justification is. And so I'm going to tell you, our Westminster Shorter Catechism, which is this, a book which summarizes our faith, says this, justification is an act of God's free grace wherein he pardons all our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. I know there's a lot there and I'm going to break it down for you. There are four main parts to justification. The first one is this, the pardon of our sins. When Jesus Christ came and died for us, he paid the penalty for our sins. And when he paid the penalty for our sins, that means we no longer have to pay for them. It means that we are forgiven. Now that sounds familiar. That's that's what's talked about all the time in the gospel. We are forgiven. And that is a beautiful aspect of the gospel, but it's an incomplete definition of the gospel. First, it says that God's free grace wherein he pardons all our sins. That's one aspect. The second aspect is this, that he accepts us as righteous in his sight. That is something that we tend to, conflate with the forgiveness of sins. We don't actually know what it means that we are righteous, but it is vital to understanding the gospel. We are righteous. Now, let me give you an example of what it means to have forgiveness of sins and be declared righteous. Righteous is a status thing, and it means your status has altogether shifted. Take, for example, you are at work, and you make a huge mistake. I mean huge. And it costs the company millions of dollars, and your boss comes in, and you're thinking, "Uh uh-oh, this is not going to be good. Your boss comes in and says, Jeffrey, it's fine. You're forgiven. That is good news. Like, whoo, I cost you a million dollars. I'm still going to have my job. I'm not going to be jobless. It is great news, and we should celebrate it. But as the boss is starting to walk away, he also turns around and looks at me and says, oh, Jeff, you've also been promoted to CEO. You guys laugh, but that is what it means to be promoted to righteousness. I just made this huge mistake, lost millions of dollars for this company. I've been forgiven, but for some reason, he makes me CEO, or she makes me CEO. She makes me CEO. And now I get all the benefits of being a CEO. All the riches, all the glories, everything that comes with it. I get the private jet. I get the corner office for all these reasons, because I am now have changed my status. I am now a CEO. I am now rich. Brothers and sisters, justification means that, yes, you have been forgiven, but you have also been made righteous. Righteous. Pastor David preached last week that you have become sons and daughters of the Most High God. And what that means is that you are now heirs to the great inheritance that is found in heaven. That means you have made a status change and now that you are rich. But there's something else that's important. This righteousness was given to you by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ had to live the perfect life. The 33 years he was here, he had to live perfectly because if he lives perfectly, then he obtains the righteousness for not just himself, but for all of humanity. And when he does that, he allows everyone to be justified. So Jesus Christ is very, very important because it is through him our righteousness comes to us. That is the third part. It is only through Christ's righteousness that we can be considered righteous. Can I get an amen? Amen. It is only through Christ's righteousness that we become righteous. But how do we receive that righteousness? It is only by faith alone. That's the fourth part. You only believe in Jesus. You don't do any type of work. You don't do any type of good service or you don't do anything you simply believe that Jesus Christ is your righteousness and then you have inherited the kingdom of God you guys laughed at the CEO analogy but people laugh at the gospel for that very same reason the gospel is scandalous you don't deserve to go to heaven you don't deserve to be rich you don't deserve to have all these things but it is yours it's true the glories of heaven are yours and that was what was preached last week and that is the core of the gospel message justification is a legal term a legal term saying that you are officially a son and a daughter and that that Law that, that, that thing that makes you rich, that makes you a son and daughter, it was possible because of what Jesus Christ did for us. Most people in the evangelical world do not like talking about justification because it is a legal term. If you study and read about this word justification, which is dikai a'o, um, in the Greek term, it's all in legal treaties. That's where it's are, justified. Are you righteous? Are you justified? And people are like, boring. I don't want to hear about justification. I want to know about love. But everyone here operates under legal terms. Because what is at stake in justification is not just boringness or the gospel. It is your self-identity. It is how you begin to identify yourself. How do we identify ourselves today? I am Jeffrey. I am a son. That is a legal term. I am a husband. That is a legal term. That is not something we just say, hey, I'm going to be married. The state needs to approve it. I am an employee, or this is my calling. You are a lawyer, a doctor, a business person, a nurse, whatever you may be. That is your calling, and it's backed by legal terms. Justification is a legal term saying, by law, by God himself, you are a son and daughter of Jesus Christ. Therefore, legally, you have every right to the glories of heaven, and it is yours. Nothing can change that. Nothing can change that. And one thing we have to remember here is this. That is our reality. So often we forget that that is our our main identity. We forget that we are truly sons and daughters of God. We forget it all the time. And so what I want to do right now, I'm going to make it a little interactive, is I'm going to say this. I want all of us together to say, I'm justified, I'm rich. Say it. One, two, three. I'm justified. I'm rich. Here's my challenge to you this week. Look in the mirror and say that every time you wake up. I know what you're thinking because it's the same thing I thought about when I came up with the idea. That's dumb. (laughs) But when you begin to realize what we do, we tell a narrative every morning to ourselves. We wake up, We look in the mirror, and we say something. It's like, I am an awesome business person. Or you'll get up and say, I'm just ugly today. Not me, you. (laughs) But we get up, and we say, and each day we tell ourselves some certain, I'm a bad father. Why can't I get this right? Or you'll say, you know, my whole life depends on this. I need to shape up. Every day we tell ourselves a narrative, and I guarantee you that we rarely tell ourselves that we are rich and that we are justified. More and more often than not, we say something else. We tell a false narrative, a, a narrative that doesn't is so subjective it doesn't even go into the realm of truth. When people say that they are a failure, that's not a legal term. Failure compared to who? Compared to what? You can say I am a success compared to what? We can tell ourselves good lies and bad lies, but they may be lies altogether. But justification is the only thing you can say each and every day, and it is legally and objectively true. You are justified, and you are rich. It's important to our self-identity. Paul understood this when we look at verses 8 and 9. Paul talks about their old ways, their old self-identification methods. He says, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? Paul says they were once slaves. Everybody is a slave to something. Christian or non-Christian, you are a slave to something. Christians are a slave to Christ, that's biblical language. But if you are not a slave to Christ, then you need to figure out who you are serving. Paul says that if you are not serving Christ, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ as your righteousness, then you have engaged in the worthless and weak elementary principles of the world. And what are these weak and worthless elementary principles? It's basically this in a nutshell. It is the belief that you can work to justify yourself, that you can do something to ensure that you have worth, that you yourself will do something to make sure that you are relevant or that you're matter. This is at the core what all religions believe in. This is what religion is at its essence, and I just want to go quickly over some, I'm I'm definitely shortchanging some of these religions, but at the core, it is what this is. If you think about the Roman theology or the Roman mythology that Paul is engaged in, it was all about pleasing the gods. Everything everything you did in your life, you had to please the master gods because then they would bring favor. Then you would have the good weather. Then you would have to do all these things. Your whole life depended on how you acted toward these gods. We have Buddhism today. Buddhism is your ability to rid yourself of appetites and of vices. You, you are responsible to rid yourself of all these things and only if you're able to rid yourself of all these things will you enter into nirvana, your peace, your justification. Muslims say that you need to perform acts and works for Allah. You need to make sure that you live a life that is pleasing to Allah because when you die and stand before Allah, he will look at your works and then and there he will justify you if you are deemed worthy to enter into his kingdom. Now you may not be a Buddhist, you may not be a Muslim, but you may be this other religion called American Capitalism. American capitalism is this great belief that if you do right, if you work hard, you will get a house, 2.5 children, and a yard. All you have to do is work hard. That's all that matters. And if you work hard, you will get rewarded. This is a myth. It is the religion that most Americans feed on. So in anything, anything you believe in, there is a master and there's something that you must do. So it was even amazing for Paul to say that the Jewish religion was also under the elementary principles of the world. And people found that shocking. But aren't you worshiping that same God? He says, yes, but the principle is still the same. Jewish people, they need to perform these acts and laws in order to be justified. And the problem with this, according to Paul, is... That when you look at these weak and worthless elements or worthless principles, what happens is, is you become focused solely upon yourself. That's all you think about. How do I become righteous? How do I become good? How do I get mine? Verse 15, Paul noticed a difference in the Galatian church when they forgot about the doctrine of justification. He noticed that all they were consumed with was how they were going to be justified, But he knowed, and so he says this, verse 15, what then has become of your blessedness? For I testified to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Paul knew that when he was with this church, they loved Paul so much. And Paul admitted that he was not lovable at that first visit. He was not lovable. He says in this very passage that he had uh, some kind of ailment that made him um, a burden to the church of Galatia. People found Paul to be laborious. I mean, he couldn't move, he couldn't do any of these things, but the people still loved him. Why? Because he preached justification by faith alone to them. And what that doctrine made these people do is this, have a relationship where they that they would gouge out their own eyes if Paul's eyes were hurting. Once we remove ourselves from the doctrine of justification, we get dangerously close to the doctrine of self-justification. This great belief that we still need to prove for ourselves and take care of ourselves so that we are right before God. But Paul wants us to stop suffering from gospel amnesia. He wants us to stop suffering and forgetting this doctrine of justification, because the reality is, as I've said before, that you are justified and you are rich. We need to start acting like rich people. When you say you're not rich or you need some other thing, you are to Paul disgusting. Let me give you an example. What is the worst conversation to ever have? Is this when you're bound, when you're around a bunch of rich people and they talk about how poor they are. You guys laugh but there was a survey 4000 investors in 2013 they were asked what if they were wealthy and they were valued at a million to 5 million dollars they asked 4000 people and only 28% said they were wealthy That means 70 70% didn't think they were wealthy they need to make more And here we are, we can judge them for all they want, but here the Bible says, you have the inheritance of heaven, and we stand here and we're thinking, oh, but I need this. I need this. I need this. Maybe people find Christians so disgusting because we're always talking about our own wants and our own needs, but we have much to give to the world. Yes, we may not be able to give money, we may not be to do all these things, but God has said that we have a lot of things to give to the world. Chapter 4 and chapter 5 will go on that God has provided us the fruit of the Spirit and it will multiply tenfold only if we ask. Galatians 5.23 begins to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If all Christians had an abundance of these, the world would be a much, much different place. And this is what the world needs. The world does not need more money. In the year 2000, we have more money than ever before in any time in history. Billions of billions of dollars, yet we cannot come to a common ground. We are more divisive than ever before. The world does not need more money. The world needs more love. The world needs more joy. The world needs more gentleness. And we are sitting on a treasure trove of it. And for many of us, we sit there and say we don't have enough. It's because we've adopted the story of the world that we can only make a difference if we have money. But Christ says something else entirely. You have me. You have the church. Bless the world. We can begin to no longer think just about ourselves, but we can think to other. Paul will say in Galatians 5, he says, you have been free, but use your freedom to serve others. We're going to get it all, guys. We are rich. We are justified. We can spend on others, invest in others. We have everything because we don't have to self-justify ourselves anymore. We have been given great grace. We are accepted by God, the person who matters the most, and now we can truly live, we can truly love and not focus upon ourselves. This is why Paul gets mad. There are other things that come up in the Bible. They're they're debating some doctrinal thing. They're talking about baptizing the dead. And Paul said, "I have no idea what you guys are talking about, but that's not important." Yeah, we'll talk about that. If I was baptizing the dead, we would go back and forth and, you know, that's wrong, so you shouldn't do it and we should be mad about it, but Paul understood that if you're going to solve all the fighting, if you're going to solve the divisiveness, you have to understand justification. You have to understand who you are first. Now, I gave you a statistic that 60% of Christians, they do not know what justification means. I mean, it's not correlating, but it shouldn't be that shocking that even within our church that we are now fighting and biting one another. Paul will go on to say in Galatians 5, he says, you're using now that you've become self-justification people. You are biting and devouring one another. And if you look at our landscape, we think that this doctrine is not important, but once we realize what it means and why it's so important, then we will begin to act like who we truly are, children of God, rich people that can give love, joy, peace, and grace to all. This is why Paul thought this was a doctrine worth fighting for. Who cares if he gets stoned? Who cares if he gets thrown in prison? That doesn't matter. What matters is that Christians understand the gospel and begin to live the gospel out. They understand who Jesus is and what he did for them and what's to come. Brothers and sisters, my plea and encouragement to you is this. Do not forget the doctrine of justification. Remember the gospel and learn to love one another. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this glorious doctrine of justification. God, I wish we could call it something else. It it does have kind of a dry feeling to it, but Lord, as we explore more and more of what it means, Lord, blow us away. Help us to know that we are truly children of God. Remind us each and every day that we are truly blessed and that we are rich. May we give you all the glory. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.